Hey, it's Teresa with Over Nonsense. Melissa's totally, I don't know, what are you doing? You're checking out today. You're not, you're playing low vibe. You got a little Shih Tzu in your lap and very distracting. I am chilling with my nearly 14 year old Shih Tzu in my lap. I'm just all shenanigans. Um, putting Teresa on the spot today. What are we talking about today? We are going to talk about some sober BS and there is a little bullshit in there, but it's really about belief systems and, and how we get, we convince ourselves that it's hard and that we're stuck and that it has to be a particular way. Such so, BS. It is such BS. Yeah. In yeah, many really it's like BS squared. It's bullshit and it's belief systems. Yeah, it's both. Yeah, absolutely. It's both. But before we jump into the topic, Teresa, how are you doing today? And I'm going to ask you a random question. Um, I was just thinking about this. Uh, what is, what's the best meal you had past couple of days? <laughs> In the last couple of days. Okay, well, I can let the cat out of the bag because by the time this this recording airs, some things will have done, been done that I no longer have to keep it a secret. So my husband surprised me on Christmas morning that we were going home to Oregon. And if anybody know, if anybody has read the letter, the blog post that I put on our on our sobernonsense.com or has followed me, this was this was a move that I supported my husband with because he really wanted to be closer to his parents um, after a diagnosis. And um, you know, I love my husband with all my heart, and I can do my work from anywhere, and whatever makes him happy and puts him in the highest vibe so he can heal is my that's just my priority that's who I am that's what I choose to focus on so that he actually came up with the idea that he wanted to go home and he used the words home and that he misses his peeps he actually said peeps like it's just about as bad as mullet back in 2003 when we first met but uh yeah so we're moving back to Oregon we put our house on the market last Wednesday and it's already sold and And for people that don't know, Teresa, you just moved out to North Carolina, like within the past year. So this is a cool Yeah, we headed out. We we bought our house in June, June 6th. Uh, We moved out here. We drove across country in April, the end of April. So uh, yeah, we um, daydream and do. Daydream and do. I just love how fucking nuts this is. I mean, who else do you know that moves halfway or no, not halfway, all the way across the country, settles down into a new place for a couple months, gets an even better offer to move back home um, and then moves back. Like, I just love, I love that about you. I love that you just create your own fucking path. It's not like, oh, we can't do it. We just moved out here. There's no excuse. You just do what your heart calls you to do. Well, in complete transparency, when he first broached the subject, I did say that's kind of financially irresponsible of us to, to even consider that. So let's give it two years. And then the next day, here he is getting a job offer on Christmas Day. So, and wow. it's an excellent job offer. So, yeah. Beautiful. Well, and sometimes I think the universe sends us, exper- gives us experiences that maybe aren't logical 
but they're mm-hmm. really important. So, um, you know, I don't know what, whatever this, this, uh, why this occurred for you, but you know, sometimes when I leave home for a period of time, it just makes me miss it more and appreciate the beauty of it. Miss my community. Well, I didn't have to miss Oregon. I love Oregon. Oregon is, I have webbed feet, born and raised there. Love the weirdness, the Portland weirdos. And <laughs> uh, I love the climate. I love the rain. I love the clouds. It's, it's my, it's my jam. It's all green and nature. And um, so there was really nothing, no reason I wasn't up for an adventure, but I turned it into an adventure and I don't know why it happened. I don't care why it happened. I just moved with it. And, um, but I did learn a lot about myself during this time. And, and I think my husband learned a lot about himself during this time. And we got our priorities straight. And sometimes we need something to shake us up to, to remember what's important. Absolutely. I love yeah. it. Wait, so you just totally ignored my question about your favorite meal, by the way. Oh. <laughs> that this move but, isn't important and amazing. But it gave so, you to be quick. But the whole point was my move <laughs> is because we're not eating. We're, we're kind of, I'm, because we were having, we were having to be in show form for oh, our yeah, house. house. I wasn't, yeah, just, I wasn't cooking meals. I'm not a big fan of eating out. I'm somebody who likes to cook. What's like, like your cook dirty, cook. like your dirty pleasure when it comes to food? Like, are you like somebody that <laughs> nerds. Like Kit Kat nerds? Is that what you said? Nerds. <laughs> the big chewy nerds. They're, they're big round balls and they're kind of rough edges. <laughs> they're crunchy on the outside and chewy on the inside and they're so sweet. You're a nerd girl. <laughs> Yeah, but um, Chinese food is actually, and I think it's got a lot to do with my mom. We talked about that on New Year's, on Christmas Eve, we had Chinese food. I love that. Or was it New Year's Eve? I don't remember. You had Chinese food. Perfect. I don't remember. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'm big on salads right now, too. I like salads. Salads are good. And in winter, I really love just nourishing warm, like, soups or stews. Ooh, I like butternut squash soups. Yeah, creamy that squash. Really soup. good. Mm, so, listener, if you have any good recipes for us to try, just let us know. Winter yeah, tell recipes. Us a, tell us a good meal that we should consider having, <laughs> since my my palate's kind of limited. Yes, that's amazing. What about you? What's a really good meal you've had? A really good meal. Um, Some random mushroom from. Oh, I love mushrooms. I love seaweed. Pretty soon I'm going to be going to an Asian market just outside of Chicago where I can pick up some uh, more seaweed to make some seaweed dishes with. We Mm. actually call it sea vegetable in my house. Oh, yeah? Does does your husband, does Nick and, and Henry like it? Not as much as me. Definitely not. But it feels so yummy. It can feel like the iron. I think there's actually a lot of iodine in seaweed, too. That's really good for you and your uh, thyroid. Your throat chakra. Your throat. That's right. Use your voice. (laughs) We could sing our podcasts today. (laughs) Okay, let's get back on topic. Okay, belief systems, sober belief systems, and sober bullshit. So I wrote triggering on this. I kind of wrote it out this morning trying to um, 
trying to figure out how I wanted to approach this. And I'm always really sensitive because I don't ever want to offend anybody. But if you're offended, then you don't know my heart because I would never cause you any harm intentionally. But I'm going to talk very frank about my first experience when I first stopped drinking. And that is um, the belief system that I was born an alcoholic because I was raised by alcoholics and alcoholism runs in my family. And therefore I will always have to struggle and I will always have this disease in my body and it will always grow and get stronger no matter how long I abstain from it. Um, so I can never drink again because this disease is alive and well and stronger than ever. Um, and was this and that something, my only, this is a belief, this is like a familial belief system now. No, this, this is, is the belief system that you are programmed with when you go into traditional recovery. Got it. Right? And that your only hope is recovery and re you are never recovered. And so it's basically hopeless. And there are, and I want to just say this, there are some people that are motivated by fear. And so to never go back there again, that is what will keep them abstinent. For me, that's not going to work because I'm going to say, fuck it. If I'm, go if I'm doomed anyway, I'm going to get drunk and enjoy my ride. Mm -hmm. So that's why I had to leave and create my own belief system. And what I did instead was just stop thinking about the drinking. I just omitted alcohol and drinking and alcoholism and disease and recovery and all that I just omitted that from my life and got on with my life and started living like a normal person and hanging out with people and it just I naturally attracted people that didn't drink right and they weren't alcoholics they didn't have a disease they weren't in recovery but they just didn't drink that wasn't their it's it's kind of like you attract who you are and so I was this person who was really excited about finding out who I could be. And, and so I didn't, I had more interest and more focus on the possibilities than I did on, oh my God, I can't drink. I can never drink again. I can't drink. If I drink, then my disease is going to come alive and kill me. I didn't have that belief system that was keeping me weighed down. And I and it's almost like that belief system, the way I have experienced it too, is, you know, I have one foot in the future and one foot in the past. So it's really hard to get anywhere. So it's like, yes, I want this life without booze. I want something, you know, what I'm looking in front of me with a foot that's forward. But I also have a foot dragging me back, which is like, I can't get out of this. This was better before. Why couldn't I just have a drink, you know? So it's like, it almost keeps you paralyzed. You know, it's like you're right. stuck versus it what you're you saying is that you, I, I, it sounds like you just jumped in with both your feet forward. Didn't look back. I did. I, I really did. I kind of, I remember specifically on driving down the street and going, what if I stopped thinking about drinking? What if I just got on with my life? What if I, what if I'm not an alcoholic? What if all that is bullshit? And that was it. Never went to another meeting again, and that was in 2004. So, and I haven't had a drink since. But it's not because I can't. It's not because I identify as an alcoholic. I don't. I don't even identify my family as alcoholics. 
I identify them as having a lot of pain that they didn't know how to manage and they didn't have the courage to speak up for themselves, particularly the women. Um, so I don't, I, yes, they misused alcohol and yes, it hurt their bodies, but they didn't have any other resources. They didn't have any other idea or, or, or thoughts to do differently. And they certainly and, didn't have the support to do that. And part of that belief system you're talking about too is that um, I think even just tuning out of kind of the recovery world of just even culturally of like, I had a hard day, I need a drink. Right. That belief system is everywhere. I had a good day, I need a drink. You know, and I've been watching this television series um, probably too much because it's, you know, January. Um, but it's like every scene where this woman's at home, she has a glass of wine by her. And yeah. so it's like, that's just programming, you know? And I find myself like, well, wow, she seems like she can just have a glass. What's up with that? Um, but yet every fucking scene when she's at home or hanging out with any other woman, they're drinking wine. Yeah. And, and, they, and Hollywood makes it very attractive that, that wine goes with glamour, wine goes with... Uh, you know, relaxing, wine goes with having a good time, wine goes, or booze, any, anything. Um, and I think, again, that's BS. That's, that's a belief system and it's bullshit. I haven't had any wine or alcohol in almost 20 years and I have a really good time. Most I of the have time. a better time than most. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's in, and to go further is to, I was thinking about this going, you know, I teach and I coach being wholly sober. So you're not focused on the alcohol, you're focused on your wholeness. And, and sober comes as a, as a byproduct of being that whole person. Um, but when, when you're in recovery, they say, you know, sober is if you're not drinking. So every day you're sober, every day you wake up, you're sober. It's just whether or not you decide to drink. So it's really, it's really a fascinating uh, how, how thoughts become things and how you talk yourself into drinking and, and the, the belief system that, that is so cultivated and, and it's just really accepted in society that if you're drinking and it's out of control or it's making your life unmanageable, that it's the alcohol that's the problem. You're, you're void of any responsibility of that. Right. And that if you stop drinking, then suddenly your life's going to get better. And, and I would guess that most people know more people that have left the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous than stay in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And what about this belief system too? I mean, we have a belief system surrounding alcohol, but what about this belief system that uh, I am who I am? I can't change. Because I know human experience, right? That we tend to like collect experiences over time. And then the older we get, kind of the more, uh, and I'm speaking from mostly my experience, um, the more associated we get with those identities. Well, I don't like this and I like this. And that's just how it is. Without ever questioning that. And so can you give us an example? So an example was my whole life, I said I never liked small dogs. 
And here I am sitting with a freaking Shih Tzu on my lap. I never, ever would have gotten a Shih Tzu because it was like, no, no, no. I never like little dogs. Little dogs are not my thing. I only like big dogs. Well, guess what? I fostered a Shih Tzu many years ago and I fell head over fucking heels for this dog. <laughs> um, and it was just because I was open to the experience. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I get to, pre-. you know, it was just like, it just happened. It just happened. And now I'm obsessed with all dogs, big and small. And I love my little dog. Oh my God. And I'm so that grateful is... for this experience because he makes me so happy. Junior Mints. <laughs> Junior Mints is the name. And he is, oh my gosh, I just want to climb through the computer. I know, Junior Mints. And for the listener that can't see, Junior Mints is on my lap because he's such a pain in the ass. He just barks if he's not on my lap. And so it's pretty damn hard to work from home or record a podcast. Um, so junior, so that's, that's an example, right? Of just like defining who I am and not being open to another experience. Um, you know, that's a really good point right there is that every time I'm very conscious of this, every time I say never, or I'm, I would never do that. Um, I stop and say, well, something could happen that would cause that to happen. Like I would never move back across country. We moved in Georgia, we moved to Georgia in 2010. We moved back home 2013. And I said, I would never live. And then I remember catching myself saying, never say never, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And I like this happen. concept of like letting yourself evolve and grow and change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I would never do. Right, exactly. And that what I said never to a year ago, two years ago, maybe doesn't hold truth anymore because I've changed. Right. And then the belief system, the other part of the belief system with alcohol is that it runs in the family. And so my dad was an alcoholic, so I have to be an alcoholic. Or my mom was an alcoholic, so I have to be an alcoholic. And if you do anything, read the book, Biology of Beliefs by Bruce Lipton, who says very clearly that we have a blueprint. It's up to us whether or not we build out that blueprint. We can change it with thoughts. We can change it with movement. We can change it with what we put in our bodies. We don't have to be what that blueprint suggests. It's just a suggestion. I love that. That's pretty amazing. And really, let's get clear too. If we look in any of our family histories, there's alcoholism or or misuse of alcohol. Every single, you know, I, I think I'd it's be hard pressed to find on the I think it's a shortcut just to say it's an alcohol. It's like I said, alcohol's the problem. So when alcohol's gone, everything's going to get better. No. So what else was going on in that person's life? What would, you know, I know what was going on in my mom's life and I can see why she drank. Um, I wish she hadn't. I wish she would have had somebody like me in her life that could have given her love and support. But, um, but she didn't have that, but, Watching that has filled me with such compassion and desire and drive to help as many women possible to have that. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for that. And, and talking about belief system too, and kind of, you know, there's conscious thoughts that we are talking about, we're aware of, and then the unconscious, right, or subconscious, whatever you want to call it, where we're not, we're not aware of our programming, right? And so I think... Um, what we bring to our conscious mind that, or what we talk about then becomes conscious. But, uh, you know, every time I drink, especially recently, you know, if I do drink, um, I'll ask myself or reflect the next day of like, what was I trying to tap out of? 
what was going on? Was I trying to avoid something? Just take a shortcut, right? Of not feeling mm-hmm. something. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's, for a while it was unconscious that I couldn't sit with a difficult feeling, boredom, anxiety, you know, whatever, without having a drink. And I love that you say that that was an unconscious, unconscious act, that you couldn't sit with those feelings or those thoughts. And, and because a lot of people just say, I just start drinking. I didn't even mean to. And it's like, no, you didn't. It doesn't just happen that way. The alcohol doesn't jump in your hand and doesn't shove itself down <laughs> your throat. Like, the, the, you know, you gave, us, you gave us an example a few recordings ago where you were at home on a rainy day watching Harry and, and Megan. Oh, and, in bed, yes. Yeah, in bed. And it's like, and you said how you were struggling with the decision, should I drink, should I drink? And it's like, okay, so you were, you were like getting this mental movie going about yeah. what it would be like to drink. And then you were trying to resist it because of what you shouldn't do, right? And so you're creating this inner turmoil. And it's like, well, what if you would have just changed the movie? What if you would have just acknowledged, I'm playing this movie, so I need to either shit or get off the pot. I need to either drink or stop and stop torturing myself. Or why aren't I, why is drinking not the best option for me? And being honest with yourself, having that conversation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love being able to frame that I get to choose. Yeah. I'm You're not empowered. a victim. Yeah. I'm not That's a victim. Right. And to be aware too, I think to be curious too, if I am reaching for, you know, something that's like, what am I feeling? Am I trying to tune, to tap out of something, you know, feeling and experience. And sometimes it's powerful experience where, you know, I'm trying to avoid uh, anxiety, sadness. And sometimes it's really minute. Oh, I'm just bored. Yeah. I'm just understanding. I think boredom and loneliness is probably one of the number one. (sighs) Wait a minute. I think there's another one. I think there's, a lack of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, of women, especially in second act drinking, is where they've checked off all these boxes. You know, I've got the education, I've got the job, or I've had the job. My kids are grown now and they're getting ready to go off to school or they're off to school and, and now what? You know, and, and it's, it's alcohol is a great filler. But then they start realizing that how sucky they feel and they're, and they're, they, they're not inspired and they look at it as though alcohol is the problem. It's like, no, honey, let's find something you love. Let's find something that brings you. Well, it is a good filler, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a feeling or maybe a belief that it's, you know, that it's doing something, but it's, yeah, it's just a placeholder. It really is. It's, it's, um, what, what was it? What was I? It was. It was dulling the pain and dumbing down the thoughts is what I was thinking earlier mm-hmm. that alcohol is highly effective for. It is. Dulling well, the emotions. Dulling the emotions and dumbing down the thoughts is what I came up with earlier when I was oh, writing I it like out. It. Well, and I yeah. just had a conversation with my son too about um, how important it is to be bored from time to time. You know, and yet saying that and then not practicing it or saying it and then reflecting of the opportunities of like Sometimes it's really hard to sit with boredom. It doesn't mean I can't do it, right? But, you know, what is that? And my son says, well, it's just no fun, Mom. It's no fun to have nothing to do. 
And I said, well, life isn't supposed to be fun all the time. We're supposed to have a wide range of feelings. Uh, but it's interesting that we are working on boredom together. You know, for him, lights out or turn off the electronics. Well, what the hell am I supposed to do? And for me, it's like, what do I do? You know, five o'clock and, um, you know, I'm bored. Lights out we can, in a different way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I do have tools to pull upon, but sometimes it's, yeah. And I think, I think that's a great tool for anybody who's listening is that, you know, during, at the beginning of the day, if you're really wanting to slow down your alcohol or, or get rid of it or whatever it is, you're wanting to change your relationship with it, your habit is start, start imagining who you're going to be and what you're going to do at the end of the day when that five o'clock rolls around for like Melissa or whoever, you know, what, who, what are you going to be doing? plan plan your evenings be intentional about your time and your emotions and 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 your activities but a lot of us don't want to do that we don't want to change our lives we just want to change this big thing that takes up a lot of space and unplugs us and has a lot of responsibility in keeping us dull and dumbed down dull and dumb <laughs> dull and dumber <laughs> Sounds like dumb and dumber. Dumb but we don't want to we don't want anything to change. We just want this to stop being a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the belief system is that alcohol's the problem and, and that's BS. It's bullshit. Alcohol's not the problem. It's not the problem. Yeah. Okay. That's it. We're done. That's it. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you are you really closing it out? <laughs>